Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with James Anderson. He is the CEO at Van Gold Mining. Uh, since we last spoke at the beginning of January, they have raised a shy of 17 million bucks. They've issued PA on their two assets, one of which they've just closed on, Kubo. Um, and they've made some new hires, but they've got 300 new hires, uh, more to uh, get through. So he talks to us about how he's going to do that and to what end. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, you can find that at crossinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from all over the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including precious metals. We've got training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. We've done summaries of all of the interviews that we've done just to save you some time because we know you busy people. But most importantly of all, there's a thriving and wonderful community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse. And I hope you think that sounds nice because it is. So why don't you go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. James, how are you? Excellent. How are you doing? Not too shabby, as they say in these parts. Yes, it's been a wonderful sort of spring weekend invigorated, raring to go. Same with you? Yeah, here too, um, um, in beautiful downtown North Vancouver. And uh, uh, we live on the edge of Grouse Mountain. So beautiful spring day, got a chance to play a little soccer on the weekend. And the the flowers are out, it's lovely. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, like, hey, we caught up with the, uh, halfway through January. Um, you got quite busy pretty quick after that. Fundraise, PAs, acquisitions, there's lots to talk about. Uh, so we better get on with it. But before we do, can you give me that one minute overview for people new to the story? And I'll pick it up from there. Sure. The name of the company is Van Gold Mining. Uh, we're active in the uh, mineral exploration and development business uh, in gold and silver in central Mexico in a place called Guanajuato, Mexico. Uh, we've got two assets. One was our first asset, which was a past producer about 100 years ago, a really great exploration project. Uh, what we entered into in December and closed finally just one week ago with Endeavor Silver was to purchase their mine and mill called El Cubo. And that will change the company very dramatically and puts us on a path to being in production uh, from the, both of those assets in the fall. Excellent. Okay. To enable that, you raised some money just after we spoke, nearly 17 Correct. million bucks. Uh, easy raise? I yes. You know that raising money is never easy in this in this business. But generally speaking, yeah, uh, certainly a lot easier than the last few years. Uh, I know the last several months have not been great in the precious metals camp, but the last couple of years have. There's a lot more interest, a lot more money. Also, there was a lot of interest in in the, our business plan, changing from you know strictly an exploration company, of which there are many, to becoming Canada and Mexico's newest silver and gold producing company. And so a lot of people very interested in, in getting on board, on board that story. And was that, that's the reason I ask, because precious metals come off a bit since, you know, towards the end of last year, well, December last year. Um, funders have been funding but, you know, smaller projects, um, but 17 million bucks is, is not, it's not loose change. It's a lot, of, a lot of money here. Were they looking at you from the point of view of being a near-term producer rather than just another exploration story? Was that the thing that got it over the line? Yeah, I think that that's exactly right. And I think um, the, the idea about getting a, um, a re-rating in the marketplace as a, as a producer, and I think to some degree 
that has happened. So I think, you know, and investors are going to be generally happy about that. Right. And obviously um, at today's prices, that looks like a cheap raise. Right. Okay. And um, you, cause I think when we spoke, um, you, well, around the time of the raise, you're about 24 cents, 59 cents today. So that, that has worked, but that's going to put some pressure on you. You've now got to deliver. Um, so f- I think first thing out of the gate that I saw was you must get, uh, or put a, put the PEAs out on both the projects. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And we were able to um, to construct a PEA around both projects. So they call it the El Cubo and Pinguico PEA. Yeah, uh, but, that's but up you, on our website. But you didn't own El Cubo at the time. So how, how did you manage to do that? Uh, well, we had an LOI signed um, in December and announced that, right? Um, and all of the work done by Bear Dole Bear, which is our engineering firm from the United States, um, uh, in anticipation of that, um, we had them go and see El Cubo and Pinguico spend four days because you have to go to the project when you're writing this, despite the fact that a lot of it's, you know, tabletop and computer driven these days. Uh, but they spent four days with us at Pinguico and El Cubo in November, uh, looking at the mine and the mill and, you know, establishing some baseline, baseline criteria about where we're going to spend some money and how we're going to put it back into, into operation. Right. Okay. So that, that they did it in anticipation of the acquisition getting of the line, which it, they, it did shortly thereafter. Um, right. Market has reacted quite positively to the news. So what did the PEA tell people? Well, um, so a, a whole bunch of different things and probably even some surprises from, you know, in, internally. Right. Um, so I guess what, one thing that I'd like to point out, Matthew, when what's in the PEA and what some people you know, don't don't quite get about this acquisition because we're, we're not just buying a mill, but there is a significant resource that still exists there. Because it's a PEA level, um, not, none of that material ends up, you know, in a, re, in a reserve category or in a proven category. So it's all indicated and inferred by their methodology, but that's, that's fine for us. Um, but there's about a half million tons of indicated and, 50, and uh, one and a half million tons of inferred material at Kubo. So if you look at the combined operation, and this is something that I'd like to stress for people who are watching, you know, it, it kind of looks like Kubo and Pinguico are, you know, twins. <clears throat> well, from a resource standpoint, that's just not the case, right? 90% of the resources that we have now are at El Kubo, and it's good grade. The, um, <clears throat> the inferred material um, is better grade than the indicated material. It's about five and a, five, uh, pardon me, 425 grams of silver equivalent versus about 380. But for our purposes, I just flop all those together and call it 400 grams of silver equivalent for all of it. So it's good grade and at 750 tons a day, um, that lasts seven and a half years. So the, the, the engineers at Bear Dole Bear have constructed a seven and a half year um, time frame for us to consume that two million tons. Right. So just, just in terms of there's a few things going on there. Obviously, PEA, but you're talking about getting in production well before the end of this year. That's an accelerated time frame. So what are the things with what you know today? We'll talk about land packages and expiration in a second. But with what you've just acquired, what you already had at Pingueco, uh, how do you go from PEA to production in what is less than, well, about six months, right? 
Well, I think the, the first key is the mill. So th this mill was running up until November of 2019. So, um, you know, we've got a pretty good handle on what we need to order, what we need to, to do to polish it up and get it running again. In terms of, of, of material that's in sight, there's enough low hanging fruit that we can see, you know, in Stopes at El Cubo and the surface stockpile at Pinguico that's readily available. You can, you know, you can reach out and touch it um, you know, and, and we can start to put material through the mill. But it's like, well, actually, I'll come in with a question sent in, which is uh, basically, well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of read it, which was uh, as regards to the, um, the waste material there. Um, if you look at the PEA page 56, um, quote, there are serious questions as, as the bulk of the stockpile is unsampled. So, how do you know what you've got there? Is it, you know, it could be just wool waste material. I mean, there's all sorts of scenarios. So what gives you some certainty about what you have? Right, so it, it is confusing, but I, I appreciate the question. Let me, let me take that, take you through that. So there's two stockpiles. The stuff that's on surface, there's very few questions about it. Um, it's about 100 and we'll, we'll call it 185,000 tons. That's what, that's what the PEA reads. Um, it's of moderate grade. Um, it's 107 grams of silver equivalent, but it's right on surface. It's waste material. You can stand on it. You can look at it. We've, we've taken um, backhoes and gone down two meters to sample the stuff. It goes about 20 meters in depth, right? So that's one stockpile. And Bear Dole Bear gives us full credit for 185,000 tons of that. Underground is different. There's 150,000 tons of material down there. So says the Mexican Geological Survey in 2012. Okay, I think there is, but our engineering firm has decided, no, we're not gonna give you credit for 150,000 tons down there. We're only gonna give you credit for 25,000 tons, which is the first five meter veneer on the top of it, because they feel that's the part that's been sampled correctly, which is trenching on a number of different um, occasions. Um, there were, there was an attempt a few years ago to try and drill that stockpile using a diamond drill that didn't work very well. And frankly, um, I mean, that, that was, that was prior to me becoming involved with the company. I wouldn't have done that. You're going to have a, a diamond drill bouncing into unconsolidated material with a whole bunch of water. The chances of, of coming up with any precious metals in that drilling is very slim. So what we're doing right now, and, and I think you know your listeners um, can becoming impatient, um, getting underneath that stockpile has proved more timely um, than you know what we first looked at, uh, and a lot of that just has to do with safety parameters. There's areas of the mine where we've been able to get into and walk around, and it's fine. There's areas of the mine, 110 year old mine, that have collapsed, and and you know we're trying to be as careful as possible in accessing them. Okay, so your PEA is valuing or attributing what value to both those stockpiles? Well, 185,000 tons and only 25,000 tons. So it, we really didn't, I mean, we argued with, with Bear Dole Bear a little bit about this, but not much because even those two stockpiles at Penguico, add them up soaking wet, they're still only 10% of the whole global uh, resource at this point, because almost all of it comes from from El Cubo. 
Right. Okay. Well, let's 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 come back to the mill because that's the first thing you mentioned as to how you go from PEA stage to production, and production all means different things. So you, there's going to be a ramp up, presumably. So, uh, with regards to how you, well, do you need to do anything to the mill? I know it was working relatively recently, but it's still going to need some upgrade, isn't it? Yeah, it still needs work. Um, you know, it needs new belts and hoses and fans and you know stuff like that. Uh, we may well be um, in need of a tertiary crusher. Endeavor moved that away some months ago. We knew that ahead of time. Um, so th there'll be a decision made in the next 10 days or so about, about what we're going to do in that regard, where we're going to buy it, how we're going to buy it. Um, but the, the, the mill can operate without that for a time, not nearly as efficiently. So we, we may choose to do that. Um, so that's the only long lead time item. And I'm, I'm, as we... 300, 400 grand, something like that. Um, it, within the body of the PEA, Bear Dole Bear says that we need 1.7 million US dollars to refurbish the mill. Within the, the PEA, I think some of their numbers are a little high, some of their numbers are a little low. That number I think is a little low. We're, we're budgeting about two and a half million US dollars for the refurbishment. I think there's a whole bunch of other little things, you know, when you're doing a, uh, when you're, when you're refurbishing your home, you know, you, you start with one wall, but it gets another one, another one, another one. I suspect that it's going to be a little bit like that in the mill. But, um, you know, all of the all of my Mexican partners have their heads screwed on straight about what this is supposed to be. We're not building a brand new mill and we're putting it together so that we can have cash flow as early as reasonably possible. Okay, so let's get on to that. So you're going to have to um, feed this mill. It's what will it be putting through each day, or what will you hope it'll when it it is fully optimized be putting through each day? Right. So so the the mill can do 1,500 tons a day and has routinely over the last six or eight years. We will start off at about three or four hundred tons a day, and within 60 or 90 days, work up to 750 tons a day. We've got the material to do that, both from Kubo and Pinguico. Um, and I, I see no reason why we can't do that. Right. And you have the money to be able to get that to the mill, feed, feed that mill. And the idea from, from what you're saying is get some cash flowing and at hopefully at more optim, optimal rates as well. So you've got a whole bunch of land. You've got a bunch of money now. Uh, what else is on the itinerary between now and September? Because it can't just, well, I guess the mill, getting the mill up and running is going to occupy you, but not fully. It does. I mean, that, that's our that's our main focus, attracting more people, attracting more good quality people to the company. We've got maybe 250 or 300 people to hire in Guanajuato. Um, so it's that's a big task. Um, we've already hired, pardon me, sort of a, a, a skeleton crew of managers uh, who most of which have El Cubo experience. Uh, if they don't, they've they've got Mexican mining experience. This this is going to be the most Mexican mining operation that you will see, and it's relatively easy to hire people around Guanajuato, Matthew. Uh, if you're hiring people from you know to put a mine in production in the middle of Africa or in the middle of the Northwest Territories, you know you, you've got a certain small subset of people to be able to attract. Guanajuato is a beautiful city. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. There's 150,000 people who live there, and there's a bunch of different mining operations all over. So we get to hire a lot of people with a lot of experience, especially people with experience at El Cubo. 
Okay, I suppose you, there's a lot of people who used to work there too, right? So right. I, I suspect um, they, they'll know what right. they're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what is, will Endeavour help with that? Do they give you a sort of the former uh, HR list or something? So we've, we've hired a uh, uh, an HR manager um, who worked at El Cubo actually before Endeavour bought it. Right. Okay, so about a dozen years ago. Uh, and and that comes from the north of Mexico, but has worked in, in mining. Um, I think at last count, he had been given about 500 CVs of people, uh, you know, uh, interested in in joining our team. So I, I think the opposite will be true about, you know, attracting the, the numbers of people. It's okay. How do we sift through these people and and come up with the with the team that we want? But we've been doing that for a number of months, as you know, um, Gabriela Ponce um, from Guanajuato worked for five years at El Cubo. She's in charge of of exploration at Penguico right now. Uh, Antonio Neto is in charge of safety and security. And we hired him a number of months ago. So we've already sort of had a had a, a, a 200 meter head start in a 1500 meter race. Yeah, it's, yeah, good. Well, good. And you know, I think obviously the, the town will benefit from that too. And um, the question also sent in with regards to Fresneo. They've got, had a, they've got a mine and mill which is sitting in care and maintenance has been for several uh, years. Is that something of interest to you or are you expecting Fresneo to kind of ramp things back up there? I mean, what, what, what's happening next door? So um, that, let, let me answer that question broadly and Please. then I'll come down and answer that specifically. Yeah. So. Broadly speaking, remember we're dealing with a 480-year-old mining camp. There's all kinds of different opportunities here. And there's opportunities, um, the very first time that I went there to Guanajuato, there's four mills within 30 kilometers of one another, and not one of them was being fully utilized. So of course, you know, I'm thinking, well, this is, this is ripe for consolidation, and I think the Van Gold is the right size and has the right people and the right momentum to be able to help consolidate the industry in the in the whole area. Um, so there's a number of different opportunities like that with regards to Fresneo. So it's an interesting situation. Um, the Fresneo mill and part of their very large land claim block is immediately adjacent to Pinguico. Okay, and we, we had a, a notion before we were gonna buy El Cuba, we had a notion, well, maybe we can use that mill. Uh, I got a tour of that mill almost two years ago now and at that time, the mine manager told me that, that they were adamant about having the, the mill and the mine back up in operation in March of 2020. So a little just over a year ago. That didn't happen. And at first, we kind of put it off to COVID things. But, you know, that's still not happening. Fresneo is a very large company, as you know. I think it's got a 10 or a 12 billion pound market cap. Uh, it is the world's largest silver mining company. And as wonderful as Guanajuato is, as much as I love it, these are, these are narrow, good grade, but narrow vein epithermal systems. I'm not sure that Fresneo can take any one of those mines and actually affect the bottom line of that giant company. Therefore, I think that there's ample opportunity for us to work with them. What they want to do exactly, I'm not sure, but... Uh, a number of our uh, a number of our of our board members of our Mexican team uh, have a number of different contacts at Fresneo, so um, having a conversation with them is a very real thing. Okay, but not yet. Well, you know, there's only so many things that we can do at once. Um, you know, the 
Uh, I think it's it's a mis- it would be a mistake to try and do too many things at once. I think you know we've seen mining companies do that. Mining is a is a capital intensive business. There's only so there's only so many people. There's only so much money that we have to be able to drive through this. And I, as I was mentioning to you just before we got on camera, we've only actually owned El Cubo for one week today. Now I know we've been talking about it since the end of December, but with lawyers and in PEAs and financings back and forth and back and forth. We've only been act, the actual owners of El Cubo for one week. So it'll take a little bit of time, but there's ample um, possibilities in the region. Okay. Okay. Look, I appreciate that. Um, well, you know, if you're hiring 300 plus people, that that's, is time consuming. That, that's, a, that's a job in itself for sure. Um, but you are going to need to lay the ground for some of the future work, okay? For instance, you you acquired an underground drill. Is that just parked up, ready to go? Or has that actually been doing anything? Is there going to be any drilling happening between now and getting this uh, mill of yours up and operational? Yeah, okay, so uh, we did buy the drill. It arrived in January. We've been uh, drilling holes. Well, we, we drilled four test holes. And when I say test holes, I mean, we were testing the drill right, to allow our drillers to take it for a test drive. We then moved it underground and we've drilled a, a number of holes underground as well. Uh, one thing that I, that I will say, and I, you know, I just want to sort of you know, caution shareholders, um, this project, although we can get underneath it and we can see old waste material, and we can feel and touch some of the vein material, geologically, there's a lot we don't know about it. So we're kind of babes in the woods. This is the first real drill program that, that anybody's ever done on it. So, you know, we'll, and there's the, the normal delays. I know in North America, it's months and months to get assays back. Um, there, there are delays. We use SGS in Durango. Uh, they're operating at about 30% capacity, apparently. So, um, you know, when, when we come with news, we'll you know, try and put it together in a way that is meaningful for shareholders and, observe, and observers. Um, but I also just go back to Pinguico currently has about 20%. 10% of our resource base, El Cubo has 90. Now that we own it, um, drilling holes at El Cubo into areas that have inferred and indicated material to upgrade those so that we have more confidence, we know more about what we're doing when we're extracting that material for the mill, You know that's gonna very quickly become a priority. Okay, so you've started a process of, of, of testing out the equipment you are going to lay out a plan of attack when it comes to drilling where, how much, how many meters. You haven't yet issued guidance on that, have you? We haven't, uh, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to express it because that drill is going to be, you know, continu- turning continuously from here on out. Are you going to buy another one? I'd love to. Um, and I've, I've picked out the, the drill that we want. Uh, Hernan and I keep arguing about, uh, about which one we might want to have. The only trick is, right, I mean, um, you know, we're, we're driving towards production and, and making sure that we've got um, material in place and a mill that's ready to go. And I think that, that if we were shy money because James Anderson went out and bought another drill so we could drill some more holes in the ground, uh, I think that would not be a very good business maneuver. So that may well have to be put off, put off for a quarter or two. Love that. The ultimate boy's toys. Lovely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an explorationist by nature, right? I mean, there's nothing that's more exciting to me than, than trying to find silver and gold in the ground. Have you picked a color? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Van Gold Blue, of course. <laughs> so I had to ask. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like you get excited about stuff like that. Okay. Um, okay. So th that will do enough of a job for you to start informing you um, as to you know where you go, how you go about it. But if you're not allowed to go out and buy your own uh, golden blue drill, um, contracting is that a possibility? I don't know because it seems yeah, quite it, busy in Mexico at the moment. Yeah, it, it is. I've got uh, three different um, quotes from different drilling contractors on my desk. I have had them for 60 or 90 days. Um, again, you know, as we move through the process of actually buying El Cubo, can't drill on something that you don't own. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at, at, at how we move forward on that this week and in, in consultation with uh, with Hernan, who's, who's running the show here, and Gerardo, his father, also a mining engineer, who's our country manager down there. Okay. Talk to me about Mexico for a moment, okay? Because there's been a few, obviously, pressure metals come off, uh, which is fine. You know, everyone's, uh, well, most charts have, uh, show the same sort of profile. Yours has kind of bucked the trend along with a handful of others. But there's a few sort of unsavory headlines coming out about the Mexican president and his views on mining. And there's a couple of companies uh, in country, perhaps you're having a little bit, a little bit more than an argument with the, uh, the Mexican government. Is it business as usual or do these things have a negative effect on your ability to do business? Has it slowed things down? Hasn't slowed down things for us, um, but you know, there's there's a lot to unpack in what you've just said. Uh, let, let's let's start with the top. So it's it, the the fellow is it, the the fellow is a socialist president, right? Um, the my next comment would be: We have a socialist prime minister in Canada, and is he affecting business here? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, the left leaning party in the United States is now in charge. And at least in Congress, there are members of, of that um, caucus who are very left-leaning. Is that going to affect business down there? Yeah, it will. And, and you know, maybe that's a little bit further up. So, you know, what, what can you do about that? Um, do your business, right? And do it correctly. Um, again, you and I talked a moment ago about uh, some of the, the many challenges that Mexico in particular has. Huge tourist industry. Well, nobody's flying there from Canada and the United States to get away from the snowy weather anymore. Um, the, the, obviously, oil has, has um, rebounded smartly over the last few months, but that oil collapse really hurts Mexico. Um, and, and all of the border friction between their big northern neighbor. That's, you know, those are issues. From us though, I think that it's mm, unmistakable that in Mexico, the mining industry is really important. All of the, polit the politicians know that, especially in the states uh, that are specifically mining centric. Most of our liaising is with state and local officials. So uh, generally we've, had, we've been very encouraged especially in, in, in with El Cubo, Matthew, because El Cubo has been in production for about 200 years, right? Every Mexican geologist knows it. They know where it is and what it is. It's, a, it's an iconic, historic asset. And um, the Mexicans locally want to see it back in production. 
I know, but that, that's that's always a, that's always tough. I'm more interested in what's happening today rather than what history dictates or nostalgia. It's got to be. I'm asking you today. You're not coming across any objections or barriers that aren't part of normal everyday mining process. We're not, um, but I just I don't want to overplay that card because I think that if there if there are going to be any of those, they're probably still in our future. We just got, uh, you know, we put our news release a couple of weeks ago regarding uh, getting permits for um, roads, right? Um, you know, there's there's places in, in uh, there's other places in North America today where that takes years, right? This this took a number of months, and you know, really, it's about you know filing forms and making sure that different levels of government know what you're doing. Um, I think um, uh, one of your one of your viewers wanted to ask about blasting permits. Those are tricky in Mexico, uh, and ultimately, um, depending on the type of blasting permit that you get, you have to go right up to the Mexican army to get blasting permits. With regards to Penguico, um, we're, we're just in, in the final stages of getting uh, the type of blasting permit that would allow us to do construction underground, and that's going to you know, a lot of the delays that we've had is that we've, we've been we've been working without that blasting permit. So that's going to expedite things a great deal. And at El Cubo, um, as part of the acquisition with from Endeavor, uh, we constructed a um, kind of a, a lease agreement with Endeavor to be able to use the blasting permit that they have in place while ours is getting while Van Gould's is being processed. OK, OK. Well, yeah, I did want to ask you about that. Now I don't need to. Um, you happy with how much you paid? Could you could you got El Cubo for a lot less? Done the deal better. Oh yeah. Look, I mean, um, I don't I don't want to. And and Deborah Silver have been great. Um, we have an excellent relationship both in Mexico and up here with those guys. Uh, so you know, I have to be a little careful about how I how I advertise this. But I think we've gotten an absolutely spectacular deal here. And moreover, so our new advisor, Ramon Davila. So uh, I, I don't know if, we, if you and I have spoken about, about him. Uh, he, Ramon joined our advisory board. Ramon, in my estimation, has the best mining CV in Mexico. He was the chief operating officer of First Majestic for 10 years from when it went to two employees to 4,000 employees. And when, when it went from zero production to 12 million ounces of silver equivalent production per year. So that's our guy. And then he left and was the economy minister of the state of Durango for four years. He's joined our advisory board. He's going to have a bigger and bigger role in our company as we move forward. Okay. Um, but Ramon went to El Cubo last week for the first time in 20 years. And I talked to Ramon for a couple hours the subsequent evening. And he just said, look, you know, it, it, it's a tremendous asset. You, you've done such a good job in buying this for such a modest amount of money. 15 million bucks. I know I keep harping on it, but the last time this thing changed hands was for $200 million in 2012. Uh, and then $40 million additionally was spent on it, on the mill to give us the, the basically the mill that we've got today. So do I think that we've gotten a good deal here? Absolutely. Okay, James, I appreciate the update. Um, stay in touch, you're moving things along at a pace. So. Um, I'd be surprised if there's more to tell us uh, again soon. So appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Matthew. I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast 
or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.